Who goes there? Who goes there? No. You see what I did? You sound like Zach Bag. Do you like it? Like it. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you can sound like goes back. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. What was that? Oh, God. I wish the man in black were here and could erase my memory. <laughs> I could just start all over. Uh, no. Well, I was you gonna... want to erase my memory? So I don't remember that? No. No, because it's so painful for me to have been part of that. <laughs> no, what I was trying to say <laughs> was when someone says, oh, my God, you, you sound just like Zach Baggins. You don't even have to exactly like mimic his voice oh, you, you were just tr- say you were trying to get zach baggins out of that but somehow you started with a y i said ghost baggins by the way <laughs> <laughs> i'm not wrong do you think do you think he's ever called himself a zach attack god i guarantee he has <laughs> oh i guarantee he seems like the type of person to do it it's probably tattooed on him somewhere oh god yeah probably this tramp stamp Mm-hmm. I wouldn't doubt it. Or underneath his feet, like Andy from Toy Story, you know, shit like that. Well, I should say like Woody from Toy Story, but Andy's on his on his foot. Yeah. I mean, you don't know. Andy could have a foot tattoo of Woody. Maybe a Woody. Ooh, ooh. Now we're getting somewhere. Just it's just like a fucking station wagon. Yeah. Can we wood, talk wood panels? Can we talk about the uh, the names of those toys? They're toys. One's name's Woody. One name's Buzz. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Oh, I don't know. Sounds Where's like your mind? Sounds like some sex toys to me. No. Woody, maybe. Buzz, I wouldn't say so. Buzz just makes me think of like shaving pubes. Buzz. Like, what, manscaping, what, like what taking do, care of yourself. What do vibrators do? Vibrate. They oh, vibrate. Oh, okay. Hence the name. Now, this <laughs> might be shocking to some. Vibrator. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an evil villain. I am Vibrator. This is the Dissector's Cut. My name's Josh. That's Matt. Yeah. I'm looking at him with his stupid smug face. Excuse me? What? Smug face? How about smog face? Uh, Like smog. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'm just like, boop, dragon. No CGI needed. This is true. You're big enough to be a dragon. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) I'm hot enough to be a dragon. So, Matt, unlike our Predator episode, Uh did you watch this movie? (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Talk about what, what movie are we talking about today? Oh. We're talking about Alien. Ooh, Alien. And let me just say, um, the title says it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, pun totally intended. Yeah, Alien. Yeah, a movie that's what 42 years old now. It's 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 aged very well. It's aged better than I have. That's yes, for sure. I mean, hell, I, like, I know you watched the DVD version, but like I have the Blu ray version, and the Blu ray, like, fuck, they, they did such a great job, like, um. Uh, restoring it to where it looks like there are scenes that look so pristine and like just crystal clear that it could have been made today so you're thanking me for watching it but you're still gonna shit on me because it's a dvd yeah i can't fucking win with you i don't know what to (laughs) fucking do i'm always gonna find something to shit on you for i might as well just dream about it i guess Man, I had a crazy fucking dream. I can't remember anything really about it. Like specific, well, then how do you know it's at, like, how, like do you, how do you know? Spe- like specific details, but I do remember I was with a group of people, and I remember like Sandra being there and like Brandon being there. So I'm assuming it's probably like you and Joey and all my other friends. But man, there was castles, there was dragons, there was wizards, there was like secret caves, the whole nine fucking yards. And I had curry for the first time, and she, Cassandra, told me that spicy food can uh, fuck with your dreams. She's heard that before. Huh. And of course, curry, I told them, you know, make it as mild as humanly possible. And they're just like, 
<laughs> Sorry, uh-huh. you're gonna get some <laughs> white man. You're gonna get yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, oh, you poor baby, you poor baby. <laughs> and it was a little spicy for me because I'm a bitch and I think water is spicy. But <laughs> but I, I lived through it, and who knows? Maybe that's why I had that weird fucking crazy dream. But dude, it was awesome. I was like in Skyrim, huh? Like true VR. Hell yeah. Yeah, so, okay, so you had said you know, uh, when I first got here that you yeah. didn't remember a whole lot about Alien before you watched it, or you didn't remember as much? Yeah, I, I did not, thankfully, I did watch it and not you know, think to myself, oh, you know, I've seen it before, that's fine, because, yeah, there were quite a few things that either I did not remember or I thought I remembered and was completely wrong about. Think some ma- Think maybe you're getting it mixed up with Aliens? Yeah, some of it I think so, um, but... There were some things I did remember, but uh, yeah, it was, it was though when I watched the whole two hours of it, practically it was as good as I did remember it. It is a great Thankfully. film. Yeah. Overall, I mean, it's a great film. It's such a great sci-fi film, it alien is. film in general. And I want to beat you to it. What did you think of it, Josh? I'm going to ask the questions in this I mean, interview. I've always loved it. That's it? You're yeah. going to go, great. Thumbs up. Yeah. Bunch of like '80s effects behind you. Great, yeah, great. Because I mean, I'm going to talk about it and all the epicness of it. But yeah, I mean, why, I loved it. Why did you like it? Uh, because the it has one of the best looking aliens in cinematic history. It's almost one, one of like the most the best to me. One of the most frightening alien designs in history. Yeah, this movie, boy, oh boy, and where this, do I begin? And this movie, well, this movie's. In particular, because in you know, Aliens, you get way more aliens, but... Hence the yeah, name. Hence, Title says it all. Hence the name. But, like, this one, this was, like, one of those perfect examples of you don't need to show your monster all the time, and you don't have to show it, like, full-bodied. Because so true. often throughout this movie, you only see, like, the face, the feet, the tail, just, like, parts of it. You don't see, like, the full thing, like, the entire structure of it, and, like maybe like one or two scenes. I like the scene where uh, Dallas goes down, like when it gets real close to him, and he goes down that extra flight, like in the in the ducks. Oh yeah, and you can see it behind him. But when it turns around to it, it just like sticks his hands out, like hug, yeah, like friend. <laughs> yeah, I like that. It's all crouched and all fucking weird. Yep. But you're right though. Most of the parts you do not see him or it, I should say, um, complete. You know, I mean, I don't know if you get into it, but. When you say, like, you don't have to have it on screen all the time, it was only on screen for, like, four minutes or yep. something total of the movie, but yeah. And, like, that's, like, because I, I see that complaint all the time with, like, monster films. We're like, oh, there wasn't enough monster. And I'm like, if they do it well enough, it works so well. I mean, like, this movie, you know, it's, the title of the movie is Alien, but the the first, like, scene of the Alien, you you don't even see it for, like, the first, like, hour well like 45 minutes to an hour you talking about the xenomorph or even like the facehugger the xenomorph because i mean well even that facehugger i mean that's like a good half hour into the movie that's very true it's it's kind of it's weird it like sort of is a slow ride but sort of not like you do get your alien you know a decent time the way through the movie yeah but you don't get like the full force of the alien just yet um but yeah this movie like when i did my own little bit of research and then watching again, I was like, man, I really do appreciate everything that went through this movie. I, I love the feel of the isolation it gives you. Cause I was, yep. I couldn't help, but because th- obviously now when I'm watching movies, I think of the podcast when I do it and, you know, I wonder 
you know, what you're going to come up with and or what you're going to find, I should say, and, and such. But I couldn't help but find myself comparing it to The Thing, especially since we covered The Thing. Yeah. And I'm like, man, it's like Antarctica with The Thing in isolation. Of course, you have space with Alien, which is much more drastic. But you got the same thing there. You have your, you know, select few as a group. You have, I mean, even down, I, I even compared it to like um, uh, when the Alien like sheds its skin. Yeah. And, and like you could almost say like the thing when they would like shed their fucking clothes and become the thing. I mean, there's so many things where it's like comparable to each yeah. other. But I would say on... Uh, I would say Aliens a much bigger scale. I think I appreciate everything it did. Even though the thing did a lot of the same things, I like I like the aliens way better. Yeah. Not as but, in way better, but like they're way oh yeah. better. Like I like I mean, just talking about the thing. Like the th- I feel like the thing that stands out about the thing oh. to me will always be like the special effects for it. Just like how yeah. utterly insane they were for the time. But yeah, aliens, like there's just something about that movie. Your aliens are there's something just about that movie that, like you said, like the isolation, like it's terrifying. That's why I mean, like the game Alien Isolation that came out yeah. which was based in between uh, this film and the second film because you play Ripley's daughter who's searching mm. for Ripley, and like you only encounter like the one Xenomorph till like towards the very very end. I mean, that game's one of the few games that I've ever played that has actually given me like anxiety. The heebie-jeebies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, it's always a fantastic movie. I will always suggest people go watch it, especially if you like sci-fi. Or- yeah, if you like sci-fi, horror, I mean, it's even like a slight little bit, I would say, of like action or adventure. But if you, like oh, yeah. any, if you like any of that, you have to watch Alien. It's a staple. And I actually thought to myself as well that I know I've said time and time again where, you know, why in so many of these creature features do these things... You know, no matter how they appear, they just kill for the fun of it. And I sort of thought that as the alien as well. I was like, this thing, you know, it just comes to be. And all of a sudden, it's just like, you know, fuck that guy and fuck mm-hmm. that guy and so on and so forth. But now re-watching it, because the last time I watched Alien has probably been years and years and years. I look at it more now as its fight for survival. Oh, yeah. Like, easily now. It comes to me so easily watching it again. I'm like, you know, this thing isn't just killing for fun like i bitched about before this thing actually is surviving because it's obviously nowhere in its normal habitat or environment well, well, anymore. Like not to mention like you know with just like when the chestburster first pops out like um oh god why can't i think of his name but he grabs like uh he Kane, gra- Kane. yeah he grabs the knife and he's like going towards like he's gonna kill a creature obviously immediately you're like okay threat <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're right. But yeah, that little thing just fucking looking around and it just scurries off. Oh, God. But yeah, there's so much of this movie that just makes sense without really thinking too much of it. Yeah. Like in the very first minute, I mean, you you know that they're um, like a mining vessel, basically. They've got materials that they're bringing back to Earth. So you know like where they're at space, you know where they're going, you know where they came, you know. You literally know the past and the present and the future, like right there in that first minute. Yep. I mean, the crew's a lot smaller than the thing, so I was e- it was much easier to to remember their names. Yep. I'm sure. Fuck. If I go listen back to the thing episode, I'll be like, "Who was that guy? Well, that guy that had the glasses?" But this, I mean, I can practically name them all. Don't ask me because I I don't want to try it. Um. But yeah, it. Oh, I don't know. I love it. I just love it, and I would watch it again right now. 
Same. Let's let's do it. Fuck this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's fine with me. I'm sure while we get through the meat and potatoes of this, I'll be talking more about why I like it. So during the 1950s and 60s, science fiction films weren't considered high on the totem poles of Hollywood, mostly looked at as B-movies. Most didn't think sci-fi would have, would have strong legs to stand on. In 1968, Stanley Kubrick released 2001 A Space Odyssey, which proved to be a massive success, raking in a whopping $146 million off of a $10 to $12 million budget. Damn. Yeah. Most considered this a one-time fluke, and that there wouldn't be another high-grossing sci-fi film. That was until a little-known movie released in 1977 titled Star Wars. Yeah! Woo, boy! Star Wars, which would prove that if done correctly, sci-fi films could be a huge moneymaker. Most recent reports total Star Wars Star Wars total gross overall at $10 billion, making it one of the highest-grossing franchises of all time. Fuck! I didn't realize it was that much. Yeah. Well, you got to think all the movies combined, all the like re-releases, the merchandise. I mean, the merchandise is one of the big things that well, really yeah. fucking skyrocketed George Lucas's pockets. When when did Disney get Star Wars's like the rights? That was 2014, 15, I don't oh, know. Oh, so okay, like it's a lot less than I thought actually. Um okay, but hey, None of those had the final girl, all right? Because I feel like Alien here. With oh, the, okay, 2012. 2012, all right. So, well, nine years. That's still, I, I feel like they would have had it longer, but I, I don't know much about movies at all. Um, anyway, yeah, another thing, Alien and the final girl. This, I feel like, it, I, I don't know if this was the first movie with like the, fi- the, the first movie with like the final badass girl, I would say. It wasn't like the first movie, but it's definitely one of the, the keystones. Yeah, like if you look at the final girl motive, I mean, yep. Alien will be on that list oh, no yeah. matter what. I mean, you can tell how just like direct and stern and capable Ripley is throughout the movie, no matter w- what position she's oh, in. Yeah. I mean, when they come back in and they're like, open that door, and she's like, nope. I mean, nope, she I'm- had the right idea. Oh, she did. And when Ash is like, I'm just trying to, or let me do my job and you can do yours or whatever he said. I'm thinking to myself, bitch, she is doing her job. There is nothing she's not doing that's not her job. Oh, yeah. Um, But yeah, I I think uh, Sigourney Weaver played a great character. I I love Sigourney Weaver. She's like definitely like one of the best like female like heroes in sci-fi. Not just female heroes. She's one of the best heroes in sci-fi in my opinion. I like um, the one scene, like when they start repairing the ship after they landed, and she's like talking to, um, I think, I think it was Parker because you know he's all about the money. Like, oh you know, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. And she's like, you know, don't worry about you know what's coming. You'll get it soon enough. Something like that. I'm like, that is such a great foreshadowing line in this yep. movie. She's like, you'll get your share regardless <laughs> of death. That is. So after the success of the first Star Wars film, now dubbed Star Wars Episode Four: New Hope, every studio in Hollywood wanted in on the space theater. Little did they know, 20th Century Fox, who released Star Wars already, had the upper hand. They were in possession of a new script, and it was about to enter production. Ooh, 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 ooh. In 1974, while studying cinema at the University of Southern California, screenwriter Dan O'Bannon worked on a sci-fi horror comedy titled, titled Dark Star with the legend John Carpenter. The alien in this film was very laughable, a spray-painted beach ball. This left <laughs> O'Bannon wanting to work on a film with an alien that looked real. 
Oh, that wasn't it? Nope. That didn't sell them? <laughs> nope. I'm okay. actually impressed they were able to spray paint a beach ball without it, like, like eating, easily flaking like, off or something? Or even, like, just the material, like, because a lot of times, like, the, oh, God, whatever it is in the, like, uh, spray paint will, like, eat through that kind of stuff. Oh, so yeah. So kind of yeah, you're right. It didn't. But, hey, things are different back in the 70s, I guess. I guess. A few years after releasing Dark Star, Dark Star. I don't know why it's so hard. I don't know why that's so hard for me to say. Dark Star. <laughs> a few years after releasing Dark Star, Ronald Shusett was in the middle of working on the script for what would eventually become Total Recall. He mm. contacted O'Bannon, and the two decided to collaborate on their projects. O'Bannon would eventually accept an offer to work on Alejandro. Oh God. Jodorowsky's adaptation of the Dune series, which eventually fell through, but this project had sent O'Bannon to Paris for six months. It's while in Paris that he would be introduced to a number of artists that would later inspire his work and give us one of the most terrifying alien designs in cinema history. The artists that inspired him were Chris Foss, Jean, Mobius, Gerard, and H.R. Geiger. Woo! It was Geiger's work that stood out to him the most, stating, quote, His paintings had a profound effect on me. I had never seen anything that was quite as horrible and at the same time as beautiful as his work. And so I ended up writing a script about a Geiger monster, end quote. Yeah, I heard that like Geiger, which I've also heard is like Giger yeah. too. I, I, I'm not honestly too I, sure on it. Um, but I, I heard that like all his drawings or paintings or whatever, to, to him as he would describe, they're all like organic. Yep. They're all just real things i'm not sure exactly what his con, con uh, concept of real technically was to him yeah i mean like if you look at all of his art i mean it's like a mix of organic and mechanical essentially which is which is a lot of what you see on the set of alien yep. and i mean and if you look at alien, like the xenomorph itself it definitely looks like it could easily have like just motor parts on it. Well, it's funny you say that because there's a part <laughs> in the movie where, where I, I forget who it is. Maybe it's Ash. Maybe um, that says like this thing is like adapting. Yeah. You know, it adapts to its surroundings or so. And it made me think like, does this thing have like camouflage to it or what? I mean, you never see that anywhere else in yeah. any of the sequels, a AVP, doesn't matter. But I thought that was a really weird statement because I mean, technically it, I mean, if literally at the end of the movie, it's like hiding in that little pod that she escapes yeah. on i mean it does look like wires it does look like ducks it's all black it just yeah. blends in to and it has the like ship. the tubes on the back and all yeah, that, exactly yeah. so it's like did he mean something from that that just wasn't uh no it didn't go any further like no one really worked off that idea or yeah, what who knows i mean it literally sounds like it they talk about it being the perfect organism yeah you know ash's famous line i admire its purity yeah, oh, God, and, I love that line so much. Yeah, I mean, if if it's the perfect organism, I would think something that could blend into its surroundings, like camouflage, if you will, I think that would probably be part of it. Yeah. But I'm not sure. After the Doom project fell through, O'Bannon returned to his home. He shared with Shusit, and they revised one of O'Bannon's earlier scripts titled Memory, which was about a crew of astronauts who were awakened to find their voyage had been interrupted by a signal coming from a mysterious planetoid. This obviously would become the opening half of Alien. Oh, yeah. And again, it's such it's such a simple idea that didn't need too much thought of it. No. I mean, literally, Mother on the ship, which is like the predecessor to Google Home and... <laughs> yeah, essentially, -E yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, and she just intercepts a signal, 
and then just reroutes, and that is the top priority. Yep. I mean, it's you don't need any much more thought than that, but it, it it's, that's a concept that I feel like allows you to really work off of it in any which way you want. Oh, yeah. The working title of the script was Starbeast, but both writers weren't happy with it, and O'Bannon no. changed it to Alien due to how many times the word showed up in the script. He was also happy with the double meaning behind it. It was Shusit who came up with the idea of one of the crew members being implanted with an embryo, which would emerge from the astronaut. This was a great way to get the alien on board the ship. Uh, yeah, that's a perfect way to fucking do it. Absolutely. And when you say it's like double meaning of alien, I never thought about it, but I mean, technically, they're all aliens, right? Yep. I, I think I think I read in an interview. I think it was Shusit that when he was like trying to come up with like the idea of like it. Um, pretty much planting an egg. Like, I think it was him that like had like a quote that was just like, it fucks him somehow and gets an egg in there. <laughs> Some shit like that. I was like, what the fuck? This, you know, word in this next sentence might be sensitive to some listeners, but uh, like it, like literally the face hugger just rapes the mouth of its victim. Yeah, essentially. Like that's like practically literally what it does. Um, but oh, I can totally see them just sitting at the conference table like, all right, we're going to have this fucking thing just fuck its mouth. There you go. End of story. And they're just like, you know what? Whatever his fucking name is. <laughs> That's a great idea. I can see that. Whatever your fucking name is on a little name tag sitting on his desk. All one word. Um, but yeah, I was thinking of the alien, and I'm sure they didn't think of it in uh, similarity to this creature. But have you heard of a tarantula hawk wasp? Yes. Yeah. Yep. When I found, when I I don't know, found those things uh, 10 years ago, found out about them. I immediately thought of Alien. Oh, yeah. Because that's what it does, man. It literally burrows into the ground. It waits for primarily tarantulas, but it will attack other spiders depending on, of course, where it's living. Um, And, of course, this is for listeners because I assume you know, but they will paralyze it, send it in like a comatose almost, and then they just shoot its babies inside the spider, the baby eats the inside of the spider, and then it hatches out of the abdomen of the spider, and God. there's new tarantula hogwas. And this is literally what the alien does. God, it just makes my inside feel weird. I don't oh, like it. Oh, <laughs> I know. And the tarantula hogwas is a terrifying thing. Yeah. I mean, what it does, its bite or sting is like the second or third most painful fucking insect bite. I'm like, dude, this fuck. No, murder hornets are one thing, but this thing is <laughs> terrifying, and these are all around. So like many writers, O'Bannon was inspired by several other sci-fi classic films, such as The Thing from Another World, yeah. Forbidden Planet, and even Planet of the Vampires. What it, the fuck is that? It was Planet of the Vampires, which inspired the, crew of, which inspired the crew of Nostromo finding the remains of an engineer on the ship. In Planet, the crew finds the skeletal remains of a giant alien. Yes, they do. And that scene is... Oh my God, that's, that's a wowzer, that scene right there. When he finally stands up in that gigantic room of whatever that alien, that fossilized... Oh, the engineer, yeah. ...being is. Well, I say, well, you say engineer, obviously, since anyone who's watched the movie Prometheus, which is a prequel to Alien, yes, the, yeah. that's an engineer. But obviously, at the time, you don't know what the hell yep. it is. But I love that scene because it, like... It can depict so many things, especially to first-time viewers. It can be like, you know, are are those the bad guys? Is that just one of them? Yeah. And then, of course, you see that uh, its chest is bust open, like yep. outward. And uh, you're just like, okay, is there something bigger and badder? Like, you really don't think of a little parasite 
sort of deal. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that design for that creature, like even back with the 70s, it's like, holy fuck. Well, yeah. Like, it's just so cool. But like, and you, you see that, that alien sitting in that chair, which God knows what that chair was. It kind of looked like a fucking weapon. But yeah. in Prometheus, it's like a a star map, if you will, Benny yeah. and Barney Hill, the map of the cosmos and where they're going. But it's it looks so long since I've seen Prometheus, but yeah. Yeah, but it looks like a human. So, I mean, there are so many questions when you see this scene, but it's never really explained. Nope, and I kind of like it because I, it kind of leaves it open to interpretation. It kind of does, of course, until you see Prometheus and then Covenant, Alien Covenant. Uh, but yeah, that scene, that's like a, for me, that's when I sit on the edge of my seat, I, or one of those moments where I do. I'm just like, yeah. what could this possibly be? So with the plot in place and the script nearly finished, they presented their ideas to several studios around Hollywood, explaining it as Jaws in space. Hmm. They were nearing a deal with Roger Corman's studio, New World Pictures, before a friend of theirs said that they could get them a better deal and turn the script over to the Gordon Carroll, David Giller and Walter Hill, who recently had formed a production company called Brandywine, which had ties with 20, oh. 20th Century Fox. A deal was signed, and the script for Alien went through eight different drafts, which Bannon was originally <laughs> unhappy with, and but <laughs> Giller and Hill were trying to take credit for his idea. It's not like you said eight different giraffes. Uh, eight different drafts. <laughs> drafts. Something. I prefer giraffes. They were just going to the zoo, like, holding up the script to, like, different giraffes. Like, do you like this? <laughs> I, fuck this. Move on. <laughs> it was Giller and Hill that came up with the subplot idea and the character of the android Ash, which Abandon first thought was unnecessary, but Chusett later said it ended up being one of the best things in the film. Despite the fact that the shooting script was actually written by Giller and Hill, the Writers Guild of America did give O'Bannon sole credit for the screenplay. Oh, okay. But I will say, I do think, like, the subplot with, like, Ash being an android and, like, kind of working against the crew, that, like, one of the best things in the film, like... Oh, yeah. Like, when you... So, so like, when the facehugger gets Kane, I mean, you're kind of like, oh, my God, no way. But I, I feel like people... It's a... It's like a horrifically beautiful scene segment, yeah. I think that is. Because it's, it's the moment where you're like, man, I'm glad that's not me. When you see this arachnid-type creature, which already is unsettling to some, to yep. think of the, the word arachnid, um, but it's gripping to his face. It's got its tail wrapped around its neck. It just squeezes tighter if it's fucked with. I mean, its blood is acid, of course, so it's like the perfect defense mechanism. It's paralyzed. It's keeping him alive, but using him for something. It's terrifying. It's absolutely oh, yeah. terrifying. But where I was going was... I feel like the real big surprise, the first one, is when the chest burster happens. Yeah. Is that the correct term? Chest burster? Chest bursting? I don't know. Chest burger, burger. Um, chest burger. But after that happens, dude, it is like a roller coaster. Oh, yeah. It is one thing after them. You find out Ash is, in, is, is involved in keeping this thing alive, even if that means the rest of the crew is expendable, like when Ripley finds out her mother. And then you find out he's a fucking android. Yep. And then you see what the alien is, or maybe that might be right before, but I'm just like, good fucking God, it is one after another yep. once that chest burster comes out. So the film's plot goes as such. In the distant future, the crew of the commercial spaceship Nostromo are on their way home when they pick up a distress call from a distant moon. The crew are under obligations to investigate and the spaceship descends onto the moon. After a rough landing, three crew members leave the spaceship to explore the area of the moon. At the same time, they discover a hive colony of some unknown creatures. 
The ship's computer deciphers the message to be a warning, not a distress call. When one of the eggs is disturbed, the crew realizes that they are not alone on the spaceship and they must deal with the consequences. Mm-hmm. With these rewrites in hand, Fox was still unsure about the financial success of a sci-fi film like this. That was until Star Wars released and suddenly science fiction was the hot genre in town. Thanks to Star Wars, Alien was greenlit with an initial budget set at $4.2 million, which would be raised by the end to $11 million. Oh my god. And I get into it, but that does have a lot to do with the director that they get. Okay, okay. Oh yeah, I heard he's a... He's a he's a good one. Oh yeah, he's he, a good one. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> he has some questionable films, but it's fine. All directors do. Yeah, that's true. O'Bannon had originally expected himself to direct the film, but 20th Century Fox asked Hill to instead. Hill had already prior film commitments and wasn't comfortable with the number of visual effects required, and turned down the offer. Other directors that were considered for the film were Peter Yates, Jack Clayton, and Robert Aldrich. But the writing crew felt none of these directors would take the film seriously and turn it into another B-movie. It was then that the writers suggested Ridley Scott, who they were impressed by his debut film, The Duelist, which released in 1977. They made Scott an offer, and he quickly accepted. I can't help but think when someone's like, yeah, I'm a director. I immediately think of a conductor in an orchestra and just like randomly pointing. I know they're not, but I just feel like (laughs) that's what I would do. As my amateur director, I'd be like, you do the shot. (laughs) Camera roll. I don't care what you're looking at. Just do it. (laughs) God help anybody that decides to make a movie with you. Hey, just read. That's what you're here for. While in London, Scott was so bored while he was waiting on the studio to determine the budget, he decided to create detailed storyboards for the entire film, which included the spaceship and the spacesuit. Impressed with these storyboards, 20th Century Fox doubled the film's budget from the original $4.2 million and raising it to $8.4 million. Scott stated while he took inspirations from films like Star Wars and 20, 2001 A Space Odyssey, he was keen on focusing upon the horror aspects, describing it as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre of sci-fi. Oh, was he inspired by that? Texas Chainsaw Massacre? He, he like he, he when it came to like keeping like the horror aspect and like yeah. the the thrill of it mm-hmm. that was his like one of his big inspirations. Let me just say I understand that the ship the Nostromo is um like a, a mining type of mineral gathering. It, it's ship. essentially like a taxi vessel because it's like yeah. pulling along the other ship. But I do want to say the the whole thing is the most is the ugliest ship I have ever seen in my entire life. It's it's basic. Oh, it's so oblong, so obtruse. It is so fucking horrible looking. It's essentially a barge in space. It is. Yeah. But thankfully, you don't have to be very aerodynamic when you're in space. No. Or space dynamic. Think that's a thing? Sure. Spatial dynamic? Sure. Yeah. Oh, you're not very spatial dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> Fat joke. <laughs> when it came to casting... The writers had intentionally written the characters to be unisex, meaning any of the seven human characters could be played by anyone. Oh, that's cool. I, I love that idea. Yeah. I think, it, I think more films should be like that. With the characters only referred to by their last names, this made casting a little bit more open. Casting calls were held in New York and London. Tom Skerritt would be signed on to play the ship's captain, Dallas. He was originally asked early in development before the director had been attached and turned it down. It was only when Ridley Scott had been hired on that he accepted Harrison Ford was 
offered the role for Dallas, but turned it down. I'm so glad that he was not in it. To be <laughs> honest, I don't. I like Harrison Ford. I don't I think. Just, he, I don't think he would have. Like, he's not fit for that role. Like, well, to me, I feel like he's just almost like a too big of a name at that point. I for Ford, especially because like the other people, the other uh, cast and crew besides Sigourney Weaver, I have no idea who it is except Ash. Yeah. Um, but of course, who we know Ash is is until years and years later in Lord of the Rings, at least for me. Yeah. But um, I feel like Harrison Ford would have been just too big of a name, too big of a character to. Well, I mean, at not- that point, he was not super well known. I mean, he was just coming off Star Wars, but yeah. But I bet that that f- fame fucking climbed very quickly oh, for yeah. him. But I feel like. For him to even die, I mean, I, I feel like it would have been a waste of talent. Yeah, almost. like he'd be too good. Yeah, for I mean, the like part. this film. I mean, like I mean, this the fact. No that offense this, to the guy that played Dallas, yeah, by yeah. the way. I mean, I, I will say, like, probably the three biggest name actors that are in this film now are, of course, Sigourney Weaver, um, Ian Holm, who plays Ash. Yeah, yeah. And then John Hurt, who plays Kane. John Hurt's been in a fuck ton of stuff. I mean, he's I even, honestly he's do even in Hell. He's in Hellboy. I. I got. I, I don't remember. Just shows how fucking uncultured I am. You really are. I got to rehydrate right now, and people are gonna hear it. Mm. Veronica Cartwright played the role of Lambert, the navigator on board. She had originally auditioned for the role of Ripley and didn't know who she was actually playing until she showed up on the set for Wardrobe. The filmmakers told her she was essentially playing the audience's fear, which. I think she did a pretty damn good job. Wow, I mean, that's a good way to put that. Yeah, throughout the role, like her character has like the most genuine fear throughout the entire. Film. You know, I love that you said that because I couldn't help but you know obviously think while watching it. You know, she just freaks out about everything. Yep. But I, I have to give her the benefit of the doubt, obviously because she's in space. No one can hear you scream. And. What else could you possibly do unless you're Parker, who's like, I'll build a flamethrower. It's the best I got. Yep. But uh, when you say that she's going to be like the personific- uh, personification of the audience's fear, that totally makes 100% sense. Yeah. Like, I totally get it now. Harry Dean Stanton played Brett, the engineering technician. Right. And I. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to get that unless they've seen the movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I didn't realize this until because I've been going through and rewatching like the MCU mo- movies because Same. like just because like WandaVision made me kind of re-love superheroes and then of course with Falcon Winter Soldier, Harry Dean Stanton is in the Avenger film. Where Oh yeah, for when the Hulk comes crashing yep. down. Yep. <laughs> that is him. Wow. That's why I kind of love like the whole you an alien. I'm like, ha <laughs> Oh, that makes it so much fucking better. Yep. Quick question. How is um uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. First episode, I really enjoyed it. Uh, they're setting up. There's a lot that they can do with this series coming from a comic reader standpoint. If I mean, they've already introduced a character that has some pretty big significance, especially in like the cat mythos. So I think it'll be pretty good. Okay, cool, cool. And uh, quick side note, anyone, uh, I'm sorry if you're listening to this and you ha- you had these little like noises i'm not sure what's going on with my equipment yeah it, it i mean it, we've had it on a couple past episodes but i've never really heard it in recording no it's like exception so, it's exceptionally bad today so yeah. i apologize for anyone that heard it we're amateurs we suck but if not then well uh ignore us there's no issues we are professionals yeah the scratch whatever <laughs> said future matthew cut that out <laughs> john hurt played the role of kane hurt was scott's first choice originally but hurt was under contract on another film during the time of Aliens filming. 
John Fitch was cast as Kane, but became ill during the first day of filming and couldn't continue. By this time, the film Hurt was under contract for had fallen through, and he was quickly brought in to replace Fitch. Oh, okay, okay. Look how that worked out. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Yafet Koto played Parker, the chief engineer, and I do want to note and just say a quick rest in peace to Yafet Koto. Aww. He passed away on Monday as of recording of this, which was March 15th. Oh, like a week ago? Yep. He's Aww. very well known for, of course, Alien, and then he was one of the James Bond villains, too. Oh, was he? So, yeah, um, yeah, uh, Yafet Koto was mostly known, of course, for Alien, and then he was in the uh, Roger Moore James Bond film, Live and Let Die, where he played the villain. Ian Holm would be brought on to play the role of Ash, the ship's science officer who is also an android. Ash Ketchum? Yes. Trying to really catch them all? Yeah. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. Ah, oh, fuck. Ian Holm, obviously, is probably better known for his role as Bilbo Baggins yeah! in the Lord of the Rings, or even the Fifth Element. I can't remember him in that movie. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can't kill me. <laughs> the lead role of Ripley, the warrant officer, would go to Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. And would be her first leading role in a film. Are you serious? Yeah, she did a couple, like, minor roles, but this is her first leading role. Uh, However, I can role... tell because she got practically nude in the end. That's, what, that's just what they do in order to get by. However, <laughs> the role almost went to Meryl Streep. What? Unfortunately, Streep's partner, John Cazell, had passed away and she was in mourning during the time of filming, so the role went to Weaver. And what a career it would lead her on. Um, uh, well, Meryl has a very successful career, oh, so God, she's yeah. doing all right. I, I just, I like, I try to picture Meryl Streep in this film and I just, I can't. No. God. Well, I can only picture her as she is right now. Yeah. Unfortunately. And it's just, I don't know. It's like looking at a, a space rendition of Golden Girls. Like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> I'm just a like, space I, rendition <laughs> of Golden Girls? <laughs> yeah. I just, I'm sorry. It's just what I'm thinking of. But, huh. uh, mm, yeah. Sigourney, you know, I, I remember uh, seeing a Family Guy episode where they said Sigourney Weaver is a very handsome woman. <laughs> and I can't help it when I watch the alien, I'm like, you know what? I understand what they mean. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's very pretty. She's gorgeous. I actually think um, she's like wine, man. I think she uh, ages better with a or uh, she, yeah. that that is honestly very true. Because I mean, God, when she shows up in like Paul, yeah, and even uh, fucking Cabin in the Woods, I'm yeah. just like, damn. I'm like, oh damn, and it, it, it's something about that bad bitch attitude. I'm just like, mm, okay, okay, I'm gravitating towards you. I get it. That was one of the things I loved about her showing up at like the end of like Paul. Because, like, the entire film, like, you hear her voice, and you're like, that voice sounds familiar. Because I remember I went to watch the movie with uh, my dad, and, like, the entire time we're watching it, like, any time they would call her, mm -hmm. I'm like, man, I was like, she sounds familiar. Who the fuck is that? And I can, then she finally shows up, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> I can never, when if it's something like that, I can never get the person's voice before I see them. But the one time that I did, I was watching a show called Mass Singer. Yeah. Relatively new show, and Bill Nye was on it. And I, and they they had to or that was mass dancer I'm sorry mm. but uh, they're like all right go ahead and say a word and he said something and I'm just me and Xander like that's Bill Nye that sounds just like Bill Nye I will say I don't know if it's just because like I've played a ton of video games and like I love following like voice actors on like social media and stuff yeah. especially stuff like Critical Role with like all of them like all those voice actors I've gotten better with like being able to like pick up like voices and my ex was fucking. 
crazy good at it. Like we'd watch one film and she goes, Oh, that's so and so. And I'm like, No, it's not. And I look it up and I'm like, Holy shit, it is. I feel like the one I'm good at is uh <laughs> Oh God, I can't even think of his name. It's escaping me. But the guy that played SpongeBob or like the Ice oh, King. Oh yeah, that's the like the only one I feel like Tom I get. Tom Kane or, or uh, the guy that plays um like Robin on uh, Teen Titans. Oh yeah, the alien itself would be played by design student Balaji Badeo. Badeo seven two seven three. How tall was he? Seven two. Mm, yeah. Badeo was discovered in a bar by one of the casting team members standing at seven two with a slender frame and long limbs. The casting member put him in contact with Ridley Scott. Badeo would attend Tai Chi and mime classes to learn how to slow down his movements and give an even creepier look to the creature he was about to portray. Oh my god, that's awesome. <coughs> Couldn't imagine walking to that bar and being like, oh, there's our guy. Like, first sight. Was it? For, yeah, first love at first sight. Pretty much, yeah. You know, I found out that people that are like 6'4 and above, so obviously our guy here at 7'2, makes up a little less than 1% of the entire world's population. That doesn't surprise me, I guess, that much. Yeah, but believe it or not, you're 5'3", right? Yep. 5'3 and under makes up about 1% of the entire population. Fuck. So you and I are equally weird. Well, we knew that. <laughs> you need water? need to rehydrate? With the members of the Nostromo cast and the alien costume filled, it was time for filming to truly begin. Filming would begin in July of 1978 and last 14 weeks until October 21st. Principal photography took place in Shepperton Studios near London, where the three principal sets were created. Obviously, the ship, the um, alien craft, and the planet. 14 weeks. Not long. Nope, not really at all. But, nope. But, I mean, if you think back with, like, our Universal Monsters, where it was just, like, a month. <laughs> That's true. Um Side side note, real quick. Did you ever see the trailer for the original Alien? I don't remember if I have. I just want to say it's pretty fantastic because there's absolutely no dialogue in it. It's just some cinematic they made, and then like the last, the latter half of it's kind of like just random scenes in the movie, but it's just a score over it. It's just I, I just I, music. I do like that. I do know like, it's awesome in the original like. Um, like uh, promotions, they didn't think like how pretty much like the fan of the opera did. They yep. didn't feature any of the uh, like pictures of the alien itself. Like they didn't even like because like this film similar to like the thing and Halloween where they did novelizations of the film. They didn't even let the writer of the novel see the alien creature. Yeah, that's so fucking cool. When it came to filming on the planetoid surface, tons of sand, fiberglass, plaster, rock, and gravel were brought into the studio to create the rugged desert-like landscape. The spacesuits the actors wore were thick, bulky, and lined with nylon. These suits had no cooling systems and no ventilation. Ugh. Nearly every time they'd have to film scenes wearing the spacesuits, the actors would either pass out or come damn near close. Jesus Christ. And I actually learned this fact. Um, oh, God. Adam Savage. Yeah. He... Does a lot of like cosplay stuff. Yeah, he's done. Uh, he like has his own YouTube channel where like he builds cosplays and stuff. And he has like this fascination with spacesuits. He built like pretty much a like exact replica of like the same materials they used and everything for this film. And he he made his own like ventilation systems because he was gonna walk around a con. But I remember him talking about in this film that. They were pretty much passing out all the time. And I'm like, holy shit, that's crazy. Wow, that's so cool. Go at him. I thought I also heard that he had like a, a Yeti footprint <coughs> in his possession at one time and it was stolen. 
Maybe. I have or no idea. Something, something wild like that. Scott's two young sons actually had a very small role in the film as well. During the scenes where the three crew members are outside of the Nostromo investigating the source of the signal, a 58-foot-long landing leg was built to give the viewers an idea of the size of the ship. But Scott wasn't convinced that it looked large enough, so he brought in his two sons and son of cinematographer Derek Vanlet to wear smaller versions of the spacesuits to make them make the surroundings seem larger. He used the same technique with the crew encounter with the dead space jockey. What? Yep. That is so <laughs> cool. I had I didn't hear that anywhere when I li- when I watched this or heard a fucking podcast about it. That's that why, is like, so if you, fucking like, cool. If you do look, you can you like the suits do look a little bit smaller, like when you're looking at it. But you're like, okay, it's just a distant shot. But it's such a great technique to use and thankfully when anyone's wearing a, a suit like that i mean hell even like the moon landing yeah the acting inside the suit always looks blocking weird so it's not yep. like you can tell when you see someone that's an adult moving or movement than a child's movement oh yeah obviously. i mean it, so th- that worked out perfectly and this is like a very similar technique that they did with like lord of the rings with like the the hobbits where like yeah. they had like body doubles essentially for certain scenes. I think I, I think I did hear that. Yep. Originally, Scott had hoped to use animatronic puppets to portray the alien because he wanted to avoid the typical man in a suit style monster, which I can understand. Yeah. Due to the budget constraints and special effects at the time not being as up to date to give him the desired effect, it wasn't until meeting Bedeo that he felt confident a man in a suit would work because Bedeo's structure like body structure was not common like if you look you're, at you're the right. pictures of him his arms are ridiculously long i th- you're no okay you're right because i remember them finding him in a bar i read that years ago but now that you're saying this it's coming back to me yeah they specifically like took interest in like his lanky arms that were like you no know, inches longer than oh yeah like i mean if you look at the pictures ratio. like you know if you're standing up like yeah, they come down to about your knees. Yeah, like his hands above, hang, I, I think, a little bit like lower than his knees, which just, God. I'm sure he looked right at his belly button and slowly looked all the way up <laughs> to his face. I was like, hey. <laughs> Probably so. Now, before we talk about the alien itself, one of the second best effect scenes in this film is the android ass, Ash losing his head. I mean, he was, ass. he was an ass. So. He was an ass. And you... You, I feel like it took me a little while to really talk to myself about, you know what, that guy is up to something, maybe, yeah. say, halfway through the movie. But once you realize that he is up to something, you can see it. You can get, like, little instances of it, even in the beginning. Like, when right, they, like when they when, go out on the planet and he gets in the chair and he's just kind of like, doo doo like, he just well, like, Even, like, care. his little, like, charge-up jog that he does. Yeah. Which yeah. I, they use that, like, they include that in Alien Isolation, like, the... uh Oh god, I, the, there's a. I think they're like called working joes, like the androids on the ship mm. that you're at. Okay, if like you're like stealthy and you're like you're watching, you can see them do that. And I'm just like, oh, it's such oh, a cool, that it's is such a cool little a nice touch. little nod to it. Uh, but yeah, you so once you find out he's bad, like if you were to rewatch that movie, you can definitely tell little instances here and there throughout the first time. You're like, hey. He's an ass. Oh yeah, but God, the the first time that scene is like when he gets attacked, like, like when he's like essentially killing Ripley because he's like choking her and all this. Like when his head gets hit and like it just falls off his body, you're like, oh fuck. Yeah, that that's just one of those moments that I mentioned earlier that was just like a oh, oh <laughs> okay. And of course, 
and aliens, and she's like, I don't trust androids. Oh, or I don't, yeah. I don't like androids. I'm like, I know why. <laughs> so a puppet was created of the character's torso and upper body, which was operated from below and which would allow it to separate. In the following scene, we see Ash's head placed on the table and reactivated, where we get the memorable line, I admire its purity. Ian Holm would crouch underneath the table so his head could appear to be propped up. Yep. Milk, caviar, marbles, pasta, fiber optics, and even urinary catheters were created were used to create the robotic innards. All right. So like all that stuff that you see just like laying like outside of his neck and on the table and stuff, just all that stuff. And it works very, very fucking well. Speaking of what that's made of, do you know what the dead face hugger and the autopsy scene was made of? Isn't it, I think I get into it, but isn't it like lamb guts and stuff like that? Like animal guts? Uh, like a sheep liver, yeah. uh, like four oysters and like shellfish or something like that. But man, did that thing look anatomically, oddly to me, it's like anatom- anatomically correct. I'm yep. just like, that looks real. Now, let's talk creature effects. Yeah. We'll start where it all began with the film, The Eggs. When the crew of the Nostromo investigate the signal, they come across the room filled with eggs. The room is filled with blue lasers, which were actually borrowed from the Who, who were testing lights for their upcoming tour on the soundstage next door. Holy fuck, that's so cool! (laughs) Right? I don't give a fuck about the Who, but that's cool! I like some of the Who stuff. 130 eggs were made to fill the chamber. Cool. Man, to have one of those. I know, right? I want to make one so bad just to have in my I want, like room. I'm I'm fucking looking it up right now. I want one. If I found one and I, I could plug in and then like it's an alarm clock where it just fucking shoots out and it's like <laughs> every day at like fucking 10 <laughs> o'clock in the morning, I might want that one. Okay. <laughs> the main egg inspected by Kane was made out of fiberglass. Fiber, God, I'm just <laughs> fucking on an fiber ass. Fiberglass. That sounds like incredibly healthy. <laughs> <laughs> the main egg inspected by Kane was made of fiberglass. This way, movement could be seen inside the egg once Kane shines the light on it. This was achieved by Scott himself wearing a rubber. rubber <laughs> <laughs> this was achieved by Scott himself wearing rubber gloves and moving his hands inside the egg. The top of the egg was fixed with a hydraulic, which allowed it to open, with the uh-huh. insides being made up of, of a cow stomach and tripe. Edible lining of a stomach. Okay. The face hugger itself was the first creature H.R. Geiger actually created for the film. To give the effect of its pouncing out of the egg, the egg was positioned upside down above the camera and the face hugger was used as a puppet and forced towards the camera. Wait, it was upside down? Yep. Like uh, when it jumps out of the egg, essentially the camera is underneath it, the eggs, like... On top. Does that explain the one scene why when you when it shows just the egg, it looks like it looks like the egg is like sweating, if you will. Yeah. But it's sweating upwards. That's exactly what I get to. Yeah. Okay. This is why when the close up of the egg is on screen, the slime is looking to be wow. falling upwards. Wow, Matt, you just shut your fucking face for just another ten seconds. Yep. You bastard. I couldn't help it. I that's the one thing in the sh- in the movie I was like, <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Hey, yep. Hey. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, once you like learn it, because Well, yeah. yeah. Oh. Oh. Geiger decided that a smaller creature with human-like fingers with its long tail would work the best. It was Dan O'Bannon and Rob Cobb that came up with the final design. When it came to the acidic blood, that idea came from Cobb himself. He created it as an answer to the question, why wouldn't the crew just shoot and kill the creature? Yes, yes, that's a perfect way of doing it. Um, That I'm telling you what, man, I'm almost more terrified of a facehugger than I am a xenomorph. 
is morph. Morph. Like, I, I have fears of suffocation. So yeah. Yeah, it's just I don't know what it is. Like I almost understand the xenomorph. Like okay, it's this gigantic creature. I probably will die. I mean, that's almost like throwing me in the wild and I'm up against a fucking like lion. Like sure, but something that. I don't know, is very conspicuous hiding amongst the shadows and just lunges on my fucking face and like literally just paralyzes me at that moment. I don't know what it is. I, I will say any game that has had a face hugger in it, it's the scariest part because they're so goddamn yeah. tiny. I, I'm i sure that that part, probably the whole segment of him first encountering it and then even while Kane is, you know, has it on his face, gave people like legitimate nightmares oh, there's yeah. no doubt in my mind i i know i've heard of um uh some people that were like once they saw that movie like it was hard for them to date afterwards and like getting close to someone like give them a kiss they're just like nope i know uh my dad talked about seeing this movie in theaters and he was telling me the story like he went on a date to see somebody and he was like hot well, he uh, and they went to this movie, and he was talking about how, like, afterwards, like, after the chest bursting scene, he was just, like, the entire time, he was like, my stomach hurt. And he was like, oh, oh no. The whole car ride home was just <laughs> quiet. And we just kind of, like, patted each other's legs, like, good time? I will say, I do love talking to my dad about, like, him seeing, like, movies like this, uh, Beetlejuice, and stuff like that. Because he's like, I loved it. My dad hated it. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you think of Alien, yeah, the first scene that pops in your head is probably the chest bursting scene. Yep. It's been mimicked, parodied, and used throughout the entire franchise, but none really hit you like it was like it did in the very first one. The chestburst itself was inspired by artist Francis Bacon's 1944 painting, Three Studies for Figures at the Base of a Crucifix. A crucifixion. What the fuck? Okay. Yeah, it's a hell of a fucking name. Let me say that name again because I kind of fucked it up and butchered it. Yeah. Three Studies for Figures at the Base of a Crucifixion. Three studies of figures at the base of a crucifixion? Yep. Sure. I'd just abbreviate that, Francis. (laughs) Right. God damn. Now, the cast knew the chest burster was going to be popping out of hurt, but they were not aware of the amount of blood that would be spewing from the wound. Do you think there's a key connection between the eggs and then Francis Bacon? You think there's just like a breakfast metaphor underlying this whole entire movie? That's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> I I just <laughs> fucking. I hope I ruined this entire episode just now. I, you know what? If anybody stopped listening at this moment, I would understand. But if you want <laughs> to DoorDash Perkins, I Perkins Perkins so. is awful. What? <laughs> no. If you say Bob Evans is great, I'm gonna. Fucking kill you. No, Bob Evans is also awful. Perkins is fantastic. If I'm gonna get breakfast, I'm going to fucking Waffle House with my cookies okay. fucking rolling a Waffle joint in the House. Wa- fucking parking lot before I pull in. Waffle House is fantastic, but it, oh man. Or I'll I would have hit I'll you go, twice if you said IHOP. Or I'll go to fucking Covington and get Pepper Pod because Pepper Pod's amazing and their breakfast is delicious. <laughs> Perkins is gross. Please tell me you just like Perkins. Just know, say it, Perkins <laughs> The last time I went to Perkins, they left us sitting there for a fucking hour, 45 minutes, and we still didn't Why? get a goddamn Why? Because you went after food. a show at like 1 o'clock in the morning? Of course no. it's going to happen. We went in the fucking afternoon. They were still shitty as fuck, and nah, the food I don't sucked. You. I don't believe you. Ruined Perkins for I don't, I don't believe you. Why do you think they took per- Perkins out of Eastgate? I, be- I believe if you walked up to the sign, I bet if you tore it down, it would say I hop underneath it. I bet it wasn't even a Perkins. I hop they is got terrible, you. too. I hop does suck. All their food's bland. Anyway... <laughs> <sighs> 
God. Okay. Three something of figures at the base of a crucifixion. I can't remember the second word. I can't remember it. <laughs> so as we were talking about. What? Ca- I feel like I need to repeat <laughs> this like beginning part just because of your <laughs> the, the audacity Eggs that you shot Francis at me. Bacon. Mm. Now the cra- now, the cast knew the chest burst was going to be popping out of hurt, but they were not aware of the amount of blood that would be spewing from the wound. An artificial torso was placed on the table filled with blood, viscera, I forgot, forgot how to fucking say it for a second, and even <laughs> real animal guts. Hurt would put his head and arms through the table from the bottom. When it came time to shove the chest burst up through the chest, it was attached to a stick and forced upward by a puppet. The first time the chest burster attempts to exit the body... This wasn't supposed to happen. The, like, so the scene where like it first like pops out and it like the blood spews just, but it, just on the shirt basically. Yeah, yeah. It was originally supposed to pop through like oh, one time. I liked it better that too. It very much does because every, everybody pauses and they're like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, that was fantastic. I would hate to have a name hurt. Yeah, I would same. hate that. I mean, what if people are like, "Hey, man, you hurt? What are you supposed to do with that sentence? You supposed to say like, yes, I am hurt,' or are you supposed to be like?" Ow, yeah, take me to the hospital. How do you how do you how do you combat that? I don't know. I'll fucking send him a message and ask him you know, I think he died already. Oh, well, I'll I'll ask his estate. He might still be alive. I'm not sure. I know Ian <laughs> Holm and of course Yafet Koto are dead and Badeo, but I'm not sure about John Hurt. He might I, still be alive. I just want to say I can't remember the third movie or resurrection too well, but when you talk about like the chest bursting scene, which is like now throughout every one of the movies because yeah. it's so iconic. I feel like the the viewing of the egg chamber, base, I, I'll say egg chamber, like the room with a dozen fucking eggs, because you see an AVP too, yeah. those pedestals that climb up with eggs, that's technically the egg chamber. Is that in every movie? Like, Can you remember three and four? I know it's in two. I think so. I can't remember either. But that's almost just as iconic apparently. Yep. And it's, it's a very fear-instilling scene, I must say. Now when the creature finally explodes out of the body and blood flies everywhere and even on some of the cast their reactions were genuine especially cartwright's scream when she splattered in in the blood it caught her so off guard that she fell to the floor and went into hysterics oh wow yeah like her scream and her reaction it's straight up genuine and then alien just pops on out and is like yeah what's perkins hello my baby hello my darling Yafet Koto also apparently went home in complete shock, locking himself in his room for several hours, not even speaking to his wife. In 2007, Empire Magazine ranked it as the greatest 18-plus moment in film history. He, but The blood just made him go home and just lock himself in his room? Well, the whole, like, because, I mean, if you're not expecting to be splattered with bloods, like, especially a scene that's that traumatic, it's going to be shocking. Yeah, I figured I'd just drive to the nearest, like, 7-Eleven, I don't know, and pick myself up a, a nice bud and be all right afterwards. But I guess it's not for everybody. <laughs> Some people go to Speedway. Or any other gas station that I can't think of names of now. <laughs> BP. Rehydrate. Mm. Mm, man, that's good H2O. Can we cover that movie, Waterboy? Sure. <laughs> Water sex. <laughs> now for the main beast itself the yeah. adult xenomorph yeah now as i stated earlier majority of the scenes with the adult alien were was performed by Badeo, but two stuntmen by the name of eddie powell and roy scammell also performed as the creature as well gotta give him credit power powell performed the unfurling scene when the alien lowers itself from the ceiling before killing brett 
which oh. it has a very creepy, just like, it, it's like essentially in a ball and it just kind of plops. Yeah. And obviously that's like the first scene where we see it grown up, which good Lord, does it grow up fast? Yeah, it does. Like what? 12 minutes? Something like that. They're like, oh, okay, well, the chest burst there, and then, oh, fuck, we found... Because, like, if you remember, they're, like, using the uh, the scanner to try to find it, and that's when they find Jonesy the cat. And... Which I do want to say, okay, since you brought that up, I got three things I want to talk about. There's <laughs> little things throughout movies that, well, especially when it comes to a creature feature, I really love, because it has some serious meaning behind it. Like, for one, the radar. When you have something that's on yep. radar, maybe if it's even, like, a fucking, I don't know... You're on Top Gun watching that. It's like, oh, I got a bogey on. Even that. It's, you know something's there, but you don't see it. You yep. can track it. You know where it's going. You know where it's been. Oh, God, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. But I love when radar or something like radar is used. Okay. My second point is the skin that I mentioned in the first 10 minutes of this episode yep. is kind of what I just said. It, that that When he picks it up and he's looking at it, that shows that it's already come or it's already came and gone yep. in the sense of it is somehow like almost like evolving. It's adapting. It's bettering itself. We are steps behind trying to deal with it, if you will. Yep. It just shows that it's becoming more of a problem just by looking at that skin. Not just looking at it thinking, oh, it's, it's grown up. No, it's there's just like the, uh, uh, um, oh, God, what's her name? The one that is like the epitome of audience fear. and what, You know what I'm talking about? The, the, the character. The character that embodies oh, it. Oh, um, yeah, uh, Cartwright. This embodies something as well. It's not just a prop at this moment. And then my last thing I want to point on, when you finally see this xenomorph, you know, full in action, every scene, of course, it does like a close-up on its mouth yep. pretty much. And um, it almost has like a smile to it. And, of course, when you watch any movie, if there's like a fucking drug lord i mean the villain always has a smirky kind of smile that they yeah. do that kind of sends a message like i know what i've done you can't reverse it i mean i'm i'm the big baddie yep what are you gonna do this thing has like a human aspect to it oh i yeah. think when it does that it doesn't really smile but when it it looks like it is well they essentially like have characteristics of their hosts yeah. Because, um, I mean, like, in future games and stuff like that, like, I, I, I think it was even in, like, one of the other films where, like, it, like, the facehugger, like, attached itself to, like, a bull or something like that, and it kind of gained aspects of that creature. Mm. I mean, like, in the comics, there's so many different, like, alien-like types. I mean, there's, like, an alien that's, like, essentially a gorilla, an alien uh, mantis. It's fucking insane. Maybe that's what I think Ash meant when he said it's like adapting. Yeah. Maybe it's just adapts whatever its host is. And that's <clears> why like in, uh, oh God, uh, Mortal Kombat X, when they brought in the Xenomorph as a uh, character, their way of, because like in the game, it's got like uh, arm blades. It's because it took possession of one of the Tarkanon, which is like Baraka oh, yeah. species. Yep. Yeah. So that was like one of their way of like incorporating that. I'm like, oh, oh that's that, cool. that is very, very cool. Well, hell, in the first movie, Prometheus, where you don't really see a xenomorph for the last 10 seconds when yeah. you bust out of one of the engineers, it doesn't even look like a full human yep. yet. It looks very, very weird. Of course, I say that as if the normal xenomorph isn't weird. Right. Sure, whatever. But yeah, that, that's three points that I find absolutely fascinating. The the fear of radar, obviously, you you see it, but you don't. You know the the idea that this thing is becoming even more of a problem when you see just something like it's shedding its skin, and then that nice little toothy grin it's got. 
I, I will say one little tidbit that I uh, discovered that like I always wondered because like how like just maybe just because I don't do animal training or like doing like acting with animals or anything, I always wondered how they got the cat to hiss. Oh yeah, I discovered they Ooh. had brought in a German Shepherd and had him on a leash, and they had a screen in between the dog and the cat, and to get the cat to hiss, they would like suddenly like lift the screen so. The German Shepherd so, okay. was just right there, and like, oh. would hiss and react to it. And I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. That is a great idea. I'm assuming this cat has a name, just like the dog did in the thing. Yes, but I don't remember what it was because I think they used like several. Like, I think they I read that they used like several different cats. Oh, okay, okay. I do say, uh, I do want to say that the cat is in the trailer as well when it's throwing scenes around from the oh, movie yeah. and it's like Ripley's running through the halls it does have that one scene where it watches Brett die that oh, fat yeah. fucking face <laughs> for like a half a second well, it's literally just like oh it, shit it looks mad it's like Ugh. like Spongebob who put you on the planet <laughs> <laughs> now when it came to designing the creature Geiger noted he didn't want the creatures to have eyes as to give the creepy sensation that you had no idea whether it was had seen you or not the alien was heavily influenced by an aesthetic that Geiger himself created called biomechanical, a fusion of mechanical and organic. He created that? Yep. He, he created like the term and everything of biomechanical? Essentially, yeah. Like I think wow. like it had existed in like different like early, early sci-fi, but he's the one that pretty much like really brought it to the forefront. Yep. Okay. When Geiger sculpted the first design of the alien, he made it out of a putty-like material called plasticine. When building this test version, he used cooling, tu- cooling tubes from Rolls-Royce, rib bones, and even vertebrae from snakes. Wow. Okay, okay. Yeah, so he essentially used all kinds of different material to make it, which makes sense. Yeah, that first one told you said plasticine. Plasticine. Yeah, never fucking heard of that. Yeah, it's essentially like, it's just a different kind of it like makes putty. Makes plasticine like the fucking 65 million years ago, <laughs> which doesn't make any fucking sense right now. Go on. The head, the head itself was made by effects artist Carlo Rimboldi, who had worked on the alien creatures from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. The final head was fitted up with about 900 different moving parts and points of articulation to Damn. help jaws move and the inner smaller mouth open and close separately. They even used part of a human skull on the frontal part of the head, which was under the translucent cover on the head. That's why, like, if you look closely, you can kind of see, like, the human skull. I, also, I think it's kind of a nice touch. Do you have in there what they uh, used in creation of the tendons in the jaw? Oh, yeah, the shredded condoms. Shredded condoms. Yep. Hey, it fucking yeah. works. It, yeah, this whole, there's a whole you know thing about face fucking in this, so why not? That may as well. Uh-huh. Protection. They also covered the entire creature in copious amounts of KY jelly to give it oh, wow, a super slimy and drooling look. Dude, okay, w- with that, the shredded condoms, Sigourney getting ba- almost butt-ass naked at the very end, this is just about sex. Well, I mean, if you look at the xenomorph itself and a lot of Geiger's work, they're very phallic and pornographic in nature. Of course they are. Of course <laughs> they are. And of course, you know, you got Google Home's mother, which is literally mom, like some fucking AI sort of mom pornographic whatever man i don't know there there are some tones here that i'm getting into that i need to stop <laughs> with all of these aspects in mind one of the most iconic and unmistakably huh <laughs> <laughs> with all of these aspects in mind one of the most iconic and unmistakable alien designs were made 
Geiger and Ribaldi together would go on to win Academy Awards in 1980 for visual effects for Alien. Uh-huh. And let me just say, when the alien is sleeping near the end, or lounging, I'm not yeah. sure if it really was sleeping or not, and it like opened its mouth and the little fucking mouth came out, just uh, like to stretch and then went back in. What the hell was that? Was that a Pez dispenser? Like, what was that thing? It could essentially. I always like. I always think of the uh, the scene from Family Guy. Or like, <laughs> yeah, gotta I, use my little mouth now. I'm gonna get you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so a little mouth inside of a big mouth is a very weird idea that I would have never have thought of, but it was very terrifying. It works. I wonder what the big mouth's for. Just to house it, maybe? Just to maybe, protect it? Maybe. Uh, but uh, yeah. I mean, it just gave sure. it another ability to kill. Because, I mean, you see it like where, and you see it in the games, and I think it like other movies where it's like, holding somebody and like the little mouth just shoots out and just fucking like creates a hole in their head yeah of course it was really really hard to see the hole it created in the head of uh uh parker but it's yeah. there uh yeah i swear it was a pez dispenser it looked so different than it did throughout <laughs> the rest of the movie it's like really white and kind of blocky i'm like the hell during breaks from filming scott wouldn't allow Badeo to take them with the rest of the cast because he wanted to keep the fear more genuine on screen. I can't help when you say Scott Badeo or whatever. I think you're going to say Scott Bayo. I'm like, don't bring that fucking <laughs> asshole into this. Which I feel worked very well. Everyone's fear looks and feels genuine throughout the entire film. Like oh, we talked about yeah. Cartwright. Today, we know that the alien ends with Ripley launching the xenomorph out of, the, out of an airlock and sending it into the depths of space. This scene was even mentioned in 2019's Avengers Endgame. Oh, I don't even remember that. No, it was... Was it Endgame? No, I don't know. I think it was Infinity War. Yeah, it was Infinity oh, War. I'm re-watching it, the MCU, but I haven't gotten that far yet. Can't tell you. Yeah, it, it, yeah, I fucked up. It is Infinity War because uh, it's uh, Spider-Man when they're talking about launching one of uh, Thanos' minions into space. Oh. He talks about having an idea, and he's like, did you ever see that really old movie, Alien? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I will say that that was a very obviously good way of destroying the alien without destroying the alien because yep. like ash said you can't kill it it's unkillable and technically they really didn't kill it just the vacuum of space killed it yep so i'm like oh well i guess that holds up to some merit scott had originally pitched an idea for an ending Scott wanted the alien to bite off Ripley's head and Whoa. then make the final log entry mimicking her voice, but the studio vetoed this idea, probably for the better. Yeah, that would have been, I think, way too weird. Yeah. Mimicking the voice? Yeah. Would have been weird, but it would have been kind of eerie. Kind of. Because it would have been them evolving even further. Well, I mean, speaking of deleted scenes or uh, different alterations to the screenwriter, do you have the one about Dallas, by chance? I don't. There's a dele- apparently a deleted scene... Oh, I I don't I don't think I added it on here, but I do think I know what you're talking about. Where basically he is alive. I shouldn't say. Oh yeah, he's basically alive, and he's in an egg chamber like room yeah, isn't on it the like, ship. I, I think it was supposed to be during like the last scenes where like she's like running to the like like escape the ship essentially and like sees him or so. Yeah, and of course he has the eggs in his stomach as well and 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 whatnot. But that's the thing when I. When I said in the beginning of this, like, there are some things I remember, some things I don't, some things yada, yada, yada. I thought he lived. When I saw it, I'm like, you know, I think that guy lives, actually. I think he comes back later. Well, no, he doesn't. However, Parker does say we found his weapon, no blood anywhere. I'm like, yep. oh, wait a minute. Maybe he is alive. But it seems that that was the intention, possibly, oh, yeah. to keep him alive. Because, I mean, we see an alien. I'm a- not wrong. Because, I mean, we see an aliens, like, when they go to uh, the one area and they find like the people like pretty much attached to the walls and everything yep. so 
Yeah. That, that was essentially what, like, that scene in Aliens is what they had in mind for, uh, for Dallas. Dallas, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, I, I didn't think, I didn't know any of that at first. I just thought, I thought he, was, he lived. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm wrong. And I heard of that and I was like, <laughs> yep. I'm never wrong. Sure. Okay. With the film wrapping up in late October of 78, post-production on the film took nearly 20 weeks and was finally finished in late January of 79. The musical score was composed by Jerry Goldsmith, Goldsmith conducted by Lionel Newman, and performed by the National Philharmonic Philhar, Philharmonic Philharmonic Orchestra. God, I don't know why my brain is like the you na- can't National say National Philharmonic? Yep. Wow. It's a good score. Oh, yeah. I will say Predators is better. It, it Predators is very more action-y. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, the movie's more action-y, so yeah. Oh, yeah. Alien opened in a limited release for American theaters on May 25th, 1979. Unlike most films we've talked about, however, however there was no, no formal premiere. However... In Hollywood, at the Roman's Egyptian Theater, a number of models, sets, and props were on display outside of the theater to help promote the film during its initial run. Oh, that's fucking cool. Overall, the film was a huge success, opening in 90 different theaters around the United States, setting house records in at least 51 of those set theaters. Over the course of the Memorial Day weekend, it would gross $3,527,800. And eighty-one dollars. During its first run, it grossed a total of seventy-eight point nine million in the United States, Damn. with rescreenings in mind. With the total from the states and international screenings, Alien went on to gross a whopping one hundred and six point three million against an eleven million dollar budget. That sounds like a win to me. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. Like when you look at like sci-fi before, like. Essentially, Star Wars. No sci-fi movie was making this much money. Like, of course, like, 2001 A Space Odyssey was definitely, like, a one-off up until Star Wars. Like, I don't care what anybody says. Star Wars helped save the sci-fi genre. It did. And just to further that along was Alien, for sure. Yep. And, and I mean, obviously, Alien helped even, like, put that staple in, like, the sci-fi horror genre, too. Which I can't believe it had any trouble to begin with, just because I look at, obviously, sci-fi as endless possibilities. Yep. I mean, there's only so much you can do with, like, romance. But... Like Princess Diaries? Yeah. Now, <laughs> hold on, hold on, hear me out now. <laughs> oh, God. Now, what if we take Princess Diaries just shoot it off to the moon? Think of the possibilities. You can't, can you? Why? Because it's endless. It's infinite. <laughs> Just like I said, case fucking closed. Alien would go on to spawn several sequels, spinoffs, comic books, toys, novels, video games, etc. Uh-uh. In 2019, students in North Virgin High School in New Jersey even adapted the film into a play. Huh. Due to social media, it caught the attention of Ridley Scott himself, and he wrote them... A letter of congratulations to the students. He even donated money to help them put on an encore performance where Sigourney Weaver herself made an appearance. What? Yeah. Think about that. When was this? 2019. I remember this. Yep. I fucking remember this. I saw this on Facebook. I saw someone post about it. I I remember reading that and I'm just like, wow, that's so fucking cool. All these fucking people are meeting Sigourney and I'm not. One of her re- favorite restaurants, Perkins. 
<laughs> I'm going to tag her. I'm going to tag her. <laughs> right now, I'm going on Twitter. I'm going to tag her and be like, hey, I loved you in that movie. And just see what she says. So overall, that is our write-up, my write-up on Alien. And I didn't write shit. No, you didn't. That's why I said mine. <laughs> Give you that. That's a, a great point. So after uh-huh. all of this... Do you find more love for Alien? Of course. Yeah. Of course I do. Uh, I love that the Predator was like, you know what? Since the Alien used KY Jelly, I think I'm going to use KY Jelly. Not sure what, but I'll find something. Uh, yeah, obviously, the the cat was the best character. Uh, Ripley was close, but no, it's a cat. <laughs> I found it awesome that she went back for the cat. Yes. Which I would do the same, even though when she was going through the skate pod and saw the xenomorph, she just threw the case down with the cat and booked it the other way. <laughs> <laughs> but then she ran back because after she found out that the spaceship has to explode, she's like, well, I guess I got to go back to the pod, even though the xenomorph is there. And when she did, she didn't find the xenomorph, but she found her cat. She's like, oh, I guess I'll take you. If I was that cat, dude, I would be salty for sure. Um. Wow, you said a lot in the last like hour and a half almost. I did indeed. Yeah, you did. There. Oh man, this movie just gets better and better and better. This, as for the sci-fi horror genre, I would almost say this movie is like a solid ten for me. Yeah, I mean, for everything—story, cast, and crew—just. I don't know it just all works so cohesively. I don't know. It really what else does. To say I mean, the they cast. I mean, the they play such like grounded, like believable characters. Like they're just your everyday working man. Yeah, there's just like I feel like every which way you turn, every path you go down with this movie to just to figure out more about it, it's consistently just amazing. Yeah, like um, I think Ridley Scott performed all the handheld camera work himself. Yep. All those uh, like the scenes like, like where they're looking the at the cameras. That's that, Ridley Scott doing it. And like when they're watching uh, the other crews. Um, oh God! Like when they're on the uh, investigating the planet, and like you see like the like POV shot. Yeah, that was yeah. all hand camera work by uh, and Scott himself. Speaking of camera work, the chest burst scene I think was four cameras, one take, two takes. Well, two takes. It. It's uh, a lot of people think it was one take. Never mind, it, this movie sucks. But it was two takes. Oh well, fuck everything I just said. <laughs> I'm worthless. Now, so going to Perkins. <laughs> just because, like, this is just a little trivia that I want to ask you. Just because sure. we talked about Alien and Predator. Oh God, I I must say I've been playing Trivial Pursuit over there. So uh, yeah. ask away. Okay, Alien versus Predator. Uh huh. What came like? Okay, so the movie came out in like what 2006. Let's go with that. Okay. Did you know? It was a comic first. Okay. I want to say no, but you saying that sounds familiar as if I've been told it before. Now, the real question. Okay. Two-parter. All right. When did the comic come out? Alien versus Predator. 91. Ooh, close. 1989. Damn. So, like, that's the thing, like, I think about, because I'm like, okay, you think Alien versus Predator. Uh-huh. Like, I'm actually going to look up when the first movie came out. because That's I, exactly what I was fucking doing. Uh, I thought I could get there first by typing AVP, but no. Nope, 2004. I just, I just found the Association of Volleyball Professionals. So, like, it's kind of cool that, like, I don't know why, like, it's just, it's such a fascinating idea of, like, that somebody was just like, you know what? Alien, like, 
after they made Predator, they're like, what if the Predator fought Alien? Well, yeah, it's just like when someone's like, wow, Godzilla's doing pretty well. What if we pitted him up against King Kong? Yeah. Hey, it works. It does. It worked back in, I don't know, what was it, 57 or so? It's going to work again <sighs> 60 years later. I will say the, the the AVP movie is not good, but no. unless you ask your wife. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> but but you got to think, she saw when she was really young, and she has seen it a lot, and so it's I mean, nostalgic it's not, for it's her. It's not a terrible movie. I will say they do a lot of fun things with it. Yeah. I mean, how can you not like it when, like, the main protagonist, like, Gets a shield from the predator because he's like, hey, that, you're cool. That fucking scene where he like rips pieces off of the xenomorph and like gives her pieces. I'm like, I right. yeah, <laughs> that was fucking sweet. And I will say, it also kind of goes to show that like that very beginning, how fucking like, the xenomorphs just rip that predator's shreds. Mm-hmm. They fuck him up. <laughs> yeah, poor guy. Man, imagine the predator was on that ship. Using his little paragun laser, that cat would have so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> just, just saying. <laughs> oh God! But Alien, like, I still like the creature that is the Predator more than I do the Alien. Yes, but I think the Alien looks cooler. Per- personally, I think the movies are cooler. Personally, I. Well, I mean, you got to think we only got two Predator movies originally until like fucking. God, what was that early two thousands when Predator? Yeah, but I only consider I only consider Alien and Alien for the movies because I can't go with Alien Three when they're on that like prison planet or whatever. And Alien Resurrection, where there's like an alien human hybrid, which is a weird fucking thing that basically calls Sigourney Mama. I can't. I don't like that. And then you, what was it? AVP two that gave us the Predalien. Yeah, God, yeah, I can't even fucking say it. Well, yeah, because the other one would be Alienator, and we just know that sounds dumb. That sounds like a Nerf gun. (laughs) All right, so Predalien, that thing, I Alienator just sounds fucking cool, man. Alienator just sounds like a xenomorph attached itself to Terminator. That too, <laughs> that too. Um, but yeah, I everything about Alien, I feel like I like more than Predator, except the design and the the sentience and what yep. goes behind the mind and the eyes of the Predator. Yeah, overall, I will say, like, I mean. It's such a fun film to watch. It's such a fun oh, one to go back yeah. to. I go back to it like every couple of years, and it's still a joy to watch. Oh, yeah. Like the first if time I had I like a movie it. night, if I had a movie like Halloween or so, I had like a sci-fi horror movie night. Yep. that would always be in the list. Oh god, yeah. either Alien or Aliens. Honestly, yep. I prefer Aliens. I think I like Aliens just because it's almost like nonstop balls to the wall, just fucking action. Yeah, and they again they do the radar kind of scene that I like, and they they do it even better than this one. Kind of the same idea where it's coming on to you guys and you don't know where it's at, but it's technically just lower than Dallas was. Well, in Aliens, it's kind of the same thing, but it's above them in the vents. But, oh, my God, there's like 300 of them. When oh, they, yeah, that scene. When he opens that fucking vent and they're all there. Plus, uh, I mean, that I mean that movie, we got Michael Bain and fucking Bill Paxton. And oh, yeah, God, rest Bill, in peace, Bill Paxton. Oh, God, yeah. Bill Paxton, his game over, man, game over. Oh, yeah, we're fucked, man. My dad used to say that all the time in that voice. <laughs> and uh, let me just say, anytime I'm watching the news and it's like, it's a twister touchdown in Georgia, I just, you know, do the cross thing here. Like, rest in peace, <laughs> Bill Paxton. <laughs> Can't help it. Can't help it, man. Yeah. So, obviously, uh, if you listen to our Predator episodes, you know that not only are we doing 
this film. Dun, 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 dun. But next, we are going to be doing da, 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 Aliens. Yay, as if a two-hour movie wasn't bad enough. Now I gotta watch a three-hour movie. But it's so worth it. Oh, it is. Well, for me, I'm I'm mostly saying that for my wife, but don't tell her. And I will be, I will say, I do um, plan on talking a little bit about um, Neil Blomkamp's initial idea for like what he wanted to do for a sequel that bypassed all the other Alien movies and was just a direct sequel to Aliens because his idea, I want to fucking see it so goddamn badly, brought to life because it would be so fucking cool. All right. I'm excited. That's all I got to say I'm about excited. that. I'm excited. Oh, man. I can't, I can't wait to see what's behind Aliens. Mm. Well, I guess you'll have to find out. Two weeks time. from now. Yes. 14 days. Fortnite. Yep. Wait, Tune I, in to... Uh, I almost uh, said the farthest you just fucked. You but a sector's cut. fucker. <laughs> well, I'm at... God damn it. You're like, this is the farthest reach. No, I'm Matt. No again. Oh, let's go to Parkins. No. Fuck me. God damn it. I think we are living in a simulation. I'm Josh. That's Matt. Are you fucking sure? I don't know anymore. (laughs) I hear the sadness in your voice. I'm getting the fuck off of here. Bye. Bye.